What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 45 of the Jungle Brothers podcast. It's Joe Worthington here, your host and your co-host, Paul <laughs> Fotofilly. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> last week's episode, or actually two weeks ago, Good we didn't record last week. Apologies, <laughs> I was away, Paul was away, and quite frankly, T's not capable of pulling it together on his Pat Malone. However, we had Joel Costello on, old jiu-jitsu buddy of mine, a couple weeks ago. That was episode 44. That was a super cool episode, reliving um, how Joel and I came to meet each other, but more so his path through Brazilian jiu-jitsu and, and being quite a, a staunch competitor and running an academy and all those things. Um, today we're talking about injury, and uh, before we get into it, I would like to shout out our boy Tree over at Panavore Cafe. They provide the coffee that we're drinking. The filter's almost done. Once that's done, Paulie's going to pour us a couple of cups of the delicious brew. Um, our mezzanine is pretty much complete. We are hoping to be operational this weekend, so that's super exciting. We have a, um, by the time you're hearing this, it'll be too late anyway, but we're having a women's only wrestling, beginner's wrestling class or workshop this Sunday that um, Coach Funny is, is running, which is going to be super cool. Aside from that, let's get into the episode. Oh, if you need us, get us at junglebrothers.com or find us on Instagram at junglebrothersmovement and we'd be happy to help you with whatever's doing. Paulie, how you doing, man? Good, thanks. Yep. You're, uh, you're just back from a trip? Just back from four or five days off work from the gym. Uh, went down south with the family. It was awesome. Sick. Down near Batemans Bay. Yep. Uh, and a little headland in a little family resort place in a cabin, kangaroos, wallabies everywhere. Uh, acquired an appreciation for bird life. Oh, wow. How'd like, that, how'd that know, come about? Just there were so many amazing birds there. Yeah. Yeah, lots of them. And um, in and around the park and in the bush surrounding. And a lot of like n- birds nesting on the sides of the cliffs and stuff like that. Um, it's, yeah, it's just... Never, never really thought too much about them before. Was there a particular um, bird or species that you gained an appreciation for in particular? Um, I didn't go, go all the way through and, and figure out what they were called. Right. So there was like bird. a black one with yeah. like a white breast. Yeah. And uh, it was impressive because it was, you know, it wasn't like a small pigeon. It was maybe twice the size of a pigeon. And there was a family of them and they allowed us to get really close to them. It was cool. And That's then there was cool. lots of willy wagtail type birds. I don't uh, know if they were actually... Yeah, but they were like kind of blue and they'd wag that, that, that tail up. Yeah. Yeah, very, very upright and... Um, They're the super agile ones, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the trip all in all was great. I was swimming and um, chilling out and board games and stuff like that. Was it just your fam? Yep. You guys were meant to go out to the bush for a bigger do, but I'm guessing bushfires yes. fucked y'all up. Yeah, that's right. Um, up at the Colo River... Upper Colo was uh, all in a warning zone and uh, we cancelled it early on. And yeah, there's fires there right now burning up Upper Colo. If you aren't from Australia but you're listening to this podcast, you might know about it anyway, but there's been pretty catastrophic bushfires, actually extremely catastrophic bushfires through the whole country essentially uh, for the last couple of weeks, you'd say? Yep. At least two, two weeks, maybe three weeks. Um, yeah, a lot of bad shit, people losing their homes, a lot of ang- animals dying, people dying. Not too many people so far, but a lot of people losing their homes. It's pretty sad. Um, so, yeah, bad things. And it is ruining holidays. But glad you guys decided not to go camp out there because I'm sure there would be a lot of people that were taking a break over that time who would have found themselves in some pretty hairy situations. Yeah, totally. Actually, we got... I was away two, two weeks, Misa and I, but we were camping... And we got evacuated from... Not evacuated. We got told to leave the National Park. We were down at Eden, 
in southern New South Wales, where the Whale Museum is that I froth about. And um, You've the, been there before? I haven't been to the Whale Museum, but I know some of the stories. They've got the incredible story about old Tom, who was the killer whale that used to help the whalers bring in the other whales. You know, I heard about that? No. I posted on my Instagram story about Uncle it. Uncle Tom. Uh, old Tom. Oh, old Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Tom. Because <laughs> they're helping out the enemy. Tell, yeah, so there was, there was a whaling station. It's one of the, it's one of the only, no, like the collaboration between animals and humans has been, you know, across many different species throughout time. But this is one of the only circumstances where a killer whale had a relationship like that with humans. But there was a whaling station um, at Eden because it's like a big bay. Mm. And the old Tom was the leader of a pack of killer whales. And I don't know how long the relationship lasted for, maybe 30 years or something like that. But he would, when whales, um, blue whales, um, fuck, there's a whole bu- different bunch of them. But essentially enormous whales would pass by the bay every year as they do. Old Tom and his pack would um, force them into the bay. And his pack would would keep them sort of at bay, if you will, like mm. like hold them up. And old Tom would go to the whaling station and he'd like bounce up onto the deck of the whaling station and flop around so to alert all the whalers. And then he would flop back into the water and he would guide the boats out to where the pack was holding the larger whales and they would harpoon the whales and then they would, they'd harpoon them, they'd bring them in. And old Tom, you can see his skeleton is there. He's got uh, his teeth his outside teeth are ground down because he would sometimes, if the boat was having a hard time towing the other whale in after they'd killed it, he would take the, no. rope, the boat, the, the, the line from the harpoon in his mouth and drag it back to the whaling station for them and that's what ground his teeth down. Uh, but they would, they would feed the tongue and the lips of the whale that was caught to old Tom and to his pack as that was their payment. Fucking dogs. Fucking dogs. The tongue, the tongues of those things would weigh like four tons. Oh so my they, god! So that's they would leave the car, the body out there, old Tom and stuff. I think would eat their bit, and then they would pull it in and harvest the whale for all the other things. That's incredible. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. That's kind of why I've want I'd want to go there for so long because I'd heard that story. I was like, man, that's fucking special. It's a bit morbid, but it's wild. Um, and you can see it there. They got old Tom's skeleton, and they got all these stories about it. Anyway, he turned up dead some time later. And he'd he'd, dis- he'd 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 gone away. He'd kind of like he'd finished up yep. his career, and then he returned <coughs> to die there. Wow! And he was found by someone bushwalking out or a fisherman. So I want a little inlet. So he was a one of a kind. He didn't teach his family how to do this. And well, since that the, at, at the same time, the end of the whaling industry, like whaling, fell apart in Australia. That was when we it, it was you know around that time that we realised that it wasn't really. You know, the, the products that we were using whales for, we realised that there were other things you could use. And then I think we signed an international treaty or whatever to stop yep. harvesting whales. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe he did pass it on. Because killer whales are said to have really complex systems of... Well, they're very intelligent. So they have yep. systems of education and uh, tradition that they pass on to their young. Far out. Have you heard about that? You've got to watch Blackfish, man. Okay. You've got to watch Blackfish. But yeah, they have like, they've got incredibly complex language. They have different family cultures and they will commun- They will like teach things to their young and pass it on and it's wild. So you went down, you were on holiday too? I was on holiday too. I had two weeks off. We drove down south to Tasmania, took about five days to get there and then hung out in Tassie for a week and then drove back over a couple of days. What did you do in Tassie? Man, not that much. Um, we went to 
uh, we landed in Devonport because we <coughs> took the boat there from Melbourne, the spirit of Tasmania. So you drive onto the boat and then yep, yep, you sleep yep. overnight and then wake up and you're there. We went, we landed in Devonport and then we drove to Launceston and we hung out there for a couple of days, mm. just chilling. Um, we looked around a little bit. Eating, sleeping. Cut, yeah, all that. We trained, you know, went and visited some local gyms, went to a cool CrossFit gym there. Yeah. They let us, you know, use their use the gym. Um, yeah, shout out to CrossFit Levitate. I think that was their name. Uh, like but yeah, we name. did that. And then we, and then we cruised down to, then from there we cruised down to Hobart and we hung out in Hobart for a couple of days. We went to the Mona Museum of New and Old Art. Oh, cool. Um, of old and new art, which is fucking amazing. It's my third time there. Okay, I hear so many things, good things about it. It's the only state I haven't been to, Tasmania. It's wild. It's such a nice place. There. Super nice. And then we hung out there for a couple of days and then we went up to Freysenet, which is a national park on the northeast and like Bay of Fires and that sort of area. And we hung out, did a big bushwalk one day, chilled out, you know, went and swam in some water holes that were like 11 degrees. Wow. Yeah, it was mad. So we didn't really do much at all. It was quite a privileged trip. Did you take some photos? I took some photos... I took two film cameras. Yep. I didn't shoot as much as I would have liked. Never do anymore. Nah, and I and I it, here's a funny thing. Here's a funny story. So it, for people who are listening, don't know Paul and I are both quite into photography, and we both have a few cameras each, and we've shot a lot of film over the years, and just been very uh, into photography. But mm-hmm. as Paul just alluded to, now that we have these great phones on our iPhones and shit, it's much. It's just it's convenient to not use your film camera, right? Mm. Like you got to actually set an intention and go out and do it. Mm. But I was kind of thinking about, oh, I haven't really taken many film photos. And ultimately, the film photos are the one that you keep. Like, you keep them and treasure them forever, right? Yeah. Put them in frames and stuff. They become little family treasures. But um, we were driving back up to driving back up to Devonport to take the boat. And we stopped. Um, where did we stop? We stopped at a little country town called Ross. And we stopped at Ross because it's on the way. It's like a, I don't know, we had maybe four hours of driving that day. It was kind of in the middle. And there's two bakeries there and the bakeries are famous. I don't know if you know, but they have scallop pies in Tasmania. That's their thing. Okay. Tasmanian scallops, right? Scallop pies. So every, everywhere you go, you can get scallop pies. Yum. And, they're, and, you know, they really like cherish them. Often when you get to a bakery, they're sold out of scallop pies. Okay. Seems a bit people just pound them. <clears throat> um, they come with this kind of light uh, curry kind of gravy with them. They're pretty nice. They're pretty good. Mm. Anyway, we Googled this place, best scallop pies in the fucking area, whatever. So we went to Ross and we're at the, it's this little country town and we go in and we order the, you know, a couple of pies and a coffee and whatever. And we're sitting outside and then there's these two, um, uh, this young couple who look Chinese and they, they walked, I say look Chinese because I, I didn't actually know where they were from but I'm like, oh, these guys are obviously not from here. Um, and they're cruising through and the girl is carrying a Contax T2 which is the same film camera that I have. Actually, I actually have two of them. Actually, I have three of them. Long story. And they're kind of collector's cameras. Like, they're mm. hard, hard to find. I got mine from eBay. Yep. And uh, this girl's carrying a T2. And I'm like, what That's the nice fuck? She's carrying a T2, yeah. And so they sit down and he was, he was off. And I struck up a conversation with her about the camera. And she didn't speak much English. So, we, you know, we had a little back and forth. But then her fellow came over and then he, she told him. And then he's like, oh, um, yes, you know, do you, do you shoot film or whatever? And I was like, man, I have the same camera. And he was like... No way. And uh, it turns out I had the limited edition one. And he said, oh, I've always wanted the limited edition one. And I'm like, bro, I have that. I'm like, it's, it's in my bag in the car. He's like, no way. So I went to the car. They're from Hong Kong, turns okay. out. And he's a photographer. 
Okay. And so I went and showed him my camera and we had this nice little oh, exchange. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, and then I was like, so for those last two days, that inspired me to take yes, photos yes, with the camera. Yes, yes, but yes. I was like, fuck, why so did good. I need to have that experience to remind yes. me, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I had a, well, I had my 5D and my intention was to use it and to keep the phone <coughs> minimal, if at all. Because the phone often on holiday, like I don't need to call people and be texting people. It really serves as a camera. Yeah. And often a watch these days because we don't wear watches and, you know, whether you need to know the time or not, it's kind of what you use it for. Tried that. Didn't work. Camera's just like the – I had my 5D and what I need to do is get a smaller camera. Yeah, because it was just too big. I have smaller cameras. I just didn't take it. Ended up using my phone for photos. 5D is just too clunky? Too clunky. That's too, for, no, for listeners, that's just big. that's like a big, it's like a professional SLR camera, right? Yeah. And we we'll, we'll walk into the waterhole and, you know, I don't wear shoes for the week and, I'm, you know, I'm just wearing a pair of shorts. Like, you have to have a little bag and it's just, it just didn't work. Plus, I don't use that often and the kids move a lot for, faster than they used to. So it's not really easy to get photos of them anymore. They, they're sick of me taking photos. As soon as the camera <laughs> comes up, they often run away. So I need to be more stealth, like with my phone. Yes. So. There'll be another camera purchase coming up soon. Well, that's, I mean, that's super else. interesting, right? Because the phone, phone camera does allow you to snap really discreet photos. Really discreet. Because people are so accustomed to phones just being waved around everywhere. Yeah, totally. Whereas you wave around a camera, a camera yeah. only does one thing. Correct. So people are instantly like aware. Yeah. Yeah, no. So I, I, I love the phone for, for that. But something in between, something like... Uh, something digi? Uh, yeah. I'd yeah. say digi. Something digi and small. Yeah. Contacts would be nice. Digital version of that sort of body. Yes. Uh, injury? Injuries, man. We're talking about we're talking about injury today. This would be our second podcast on injuries. I think we did one last year or maybe, maybe uh, yeah, probably last year or year before that. Yep. Um, it's a pretty, uh, it's pretty timely thing. I busted my knee up a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, currently dealing with that. And Paula, you suffered a pretty catastrophic Achilles injury. Achilles. Achilles. Uh, a year Achilles. ago now? Achilles, the RB singer. You know him? No. no. <laughs> like R. Kelly. So, <laughs> no, uh, let's talk about him, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, are, what do you get done for? Not pedophilia. Yeah, pedophilia. Yeah. He's I in a lot of was, trouble. Yeah, sexual relations with females. Minors. Minors, that's it. Um, but I did do my Achilles, what, a year and a half ago? Year and a half ago. So you, so you ruptured your Achilles, you snapped it. I ruptured it, yes. It was all but one little fibre connecting the two ends together. So technically it wasn't a full rupture, but, you know, they... It's as good as done. It's as good as done. They, they clean that little fibre off before they sew it back together anyway. Um, yeah, so I did that. So I'm a year and a half on, uh, uh, so from that surgery. And, um, yeah, it's feeling pretty good. Uh, I know that because I barely think about it. And I know that it doesn't hold me back from doing anything um, subconsciously. Consciously, I probably wouldn't want to do a few movements, but it's feeling pretty good. I'd say uh, there's still, it's still not uh, a completely balanced from one side to the other. So a lot of that chain there is still lagging a little bit. Calf-wise, hamstring's pretty good. Yeah, a bit of st- uh, not too stable on that side. Still working on that. A lot of unilateral work. Pretty much only unilateral work whenever I do any lower body type stuff. Um, yeah, so so it's doing okay at the moment. Yeah. 
Um, the thing that I really like to do is the martial arts and the striking, and that was slow to come back. Um, but this, yeah, this last three, four, six months or whatever, it's been feel, feeling really good, especially with those those teeps and those kicks where you're really doing a single leg calf raise. It's dynamic. You're twisting, and um, you know I could throw them out, but it was very rare that I could control them and come back to a balanced position. And that you know, and and, and when it's when it's the injured on it, stand, yeah, standing, yeah, exactly, yeah. The standing leg, yeah. So that's feeling a lot better now. So you can pull them a little bit more, um, and yeah, and just come back to a, a meaningful stance and, and keep. How keep did you the game. How did you bust it up in the first place? Um, I busted it doing Ninja Warrior. Uh, I was at a Ninja Warrior course. Funny story, it was my kids school holidays and he wanted to go out to this Ninja Warrior place he'd heard of and his school was going out there in like holiday care. It was called Ninja 101. It was out west. So we organised, we went, him and I, and his school was there and his friends were there. He missed out on the booking. So we went there. I took him and anyway, kids were playing around. I was there supervising. Before you know it, I'm climbing on something. Before you know it, they're like, your dad could run up the wall. <laughs> yeah, your dad could run up the wall. Go do it. And then I'm running up the do wall. It. Do, do it. Do it. Yeah, <laughs> go up the easy wall. Then it's like go up the medium wall. And then it's like go up the hard one. It was like 5.5 metres with an overhang. Fuck. And I just run up it. And uh, I touch the coping. Like it's, it's not that hard to touch coping the Coping is like the edge. The edge. Yeah, the top edge. And um, yeah, maybe I'm cold. I haven't warmed up. And, uh, you know, maybe four, four or five attempts in, it feels like my foot goes through the wall. I'm running up and it was like, it was like pretty much a, a concrete thing with rubber matting on it. And it felt like I put my foot through a paper wall Whoa. sort of thing. And like I really, I vividly remember going and exploding off that right foot and reaching. And as it went, I looked down like instinctively. I, I looked down to see like where my where I was going to land because my foot had gone through something or that's what my body sensed. Um, and, I, and then I came down, I was like, holy shit, ouch. And I hobbled off and, yeah, the rest is history. Holy shit, and that was it? That was it. Done. I remember getting the text from you that day. Yes. Boys. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, my mother-in-law had to drive out with her partner because um, I couldn't drive the car. It was right foot, right? Yeah, couldn't drive the car back. So I had to like hang out at the joint for a couple of hours. She's uh, awesome. Her and Fred are awesome. They came out and uh, they drove my car home and Felker and I home. And Felker got to play for an extra two hours at Ninja Warrior. He <laughs> loved it. And the people there were really good about it. But yeah, that was oh, the story cool. of it. Um, so since then, um, I had – sorry, from then, I had to – I went to the physio. I went and saw Nick at Active RX here in Maroubra. Shout out. And hey. yeah, um, and they were like – this was the very next... I rang them when I was there and they were like, come in tomorrow, first thing tomorrow morning. They assessed it, took them about two seconds to assess it and go, you need to go, you've probably done your Achilles. You need to go to the hospital. So I went to the hospital, I think that day. Went straight there and they diagnosed it. They do an, an MRI? Um, or do they just do a couple of little physical tests? A couple of little Try physical tests. Try jumping on tests. one leg for us, Paul. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Oh, it's going back now. I oh, it is going back. I did have a ultrasound at some point. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, four or five days later, I was getting surgery. 
Okay. It was a pretty quick turnaround. <coughs> that was the public system. I was stoked. Um, and they did a super good job of sewing it back together. It's a pretty straightforward process, I thought, given that, uh, like, you know, how some joints, some fracture, say, of the bone or, you know, say, meniscus or, in your case, the ACL, it just seems to me a little hard to access and involved in a lot more planes of motion, whereas mine's very much a rubber band. It's, it's you know, it's just below the surface of skin. Yeah. It was a big, thickest tendon in the body, so it's about as thick as Is your, it? your pinky. Yeah. Yep. So it's just like that. So in terms of, like, how I visualise it, it's very easy for them to grab it and to sew it and the type of stitch, the Krakow stitch that they use for it. It's like a blanket stitch on both sides of both tendons and it's it's very easy for them to, to operate on it because it's accessible. Yeah, it's and right it's, there. it's big. Wrapping mitts around it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they got these crazy contraptions that they use to pull it together and keep it together. Wow. Um, pretty cool. You can look them all up on YouTube. I looked at pretty much the whole surgery on YouTube. Oh. Yeah. Uh, to a point. And I was like, I can't watch it anymore, actually. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, the operation went well and uh, sewed it up. I was in a boot, you know, and I, had my, I was in a cast as well, just like a top cast that kept my foot with my toe pointed down into plantar flexion so I wasn't uh, lengthening it yeah. for a certain amount of time. And there was wedges in that boot to keep me in that position. And over time, I built strength, started bearing weight, took the wedges out, and rehab started from there. Dang. Yeah. Did you... So, yeah, okay. Uh, when, as soon as you came out of hospital, you had to be off it. So you had, you had crutches. You had that little bike trolley thing that you had your leg on. Oh, yeah. The little four-wheeler. Love that little thing. That thing was cool. Um, but yeah, essentially you had to not load it for a while and then it was... Yes, yeah, right. yeah. I was in freaking pain. Um, I haven't had a lot of uh, operations or anything like that before. You know, they, uh, they put in nerve blockers before the... Uh, like uh, the anesthetist will put in nerve blockers. They'll, they'll, they'll put a needle in and affect the nerves up near my... I think it's in the hamstring they went in. Yep. Yeah, and that blocks all the sensation down below. And uh, anyway, that took time to wear off, properly wear off. Took like a day and a half. Um, and Then you feel I, the real pain. Yeah, you feel the real pain. And I was trying to be a tough guy. In the same way, when I got my wisdom teeth, I had a similar thing where I thought, this isn't going to be that bad. But it's, it's that nerve pain. It's like what I, I feel for people who have sciatica and, and bad nerve pain in the back, like your, your, your brother and stuff, that it's... It's not something you can just bite down and bear, you know? It's not like you... you yeah, just, it cripples you. It doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter how strong you are. It just really cripples you. And when the pain came in, I was like, no, I'm fine, thanks. Um, just nailed me, man. I was determined not to take too many painkillers because I've just always grown up with not taking medicines and resting and, and hydrating stuff where, where, where I need to. But this was just a different story. And I, um, yeah, had to, had to get on the painkillers so I could freaking sleep. It's tough. Painkillers are great. Fuck. Super I, great. Yeah, I got a better understanding of how they work. Yeah. Um, just in a very basic sense that, uh, say, if I never had any painkillers and I had this surgery and I had a six-inch gash in the back of my heel, like like someone had just been having surgery in there and it was like an open wound, if I never had the painkillers, then I would barely be able to stand up for a lot longer. So when I had... Like uh, uh, when I had my ankle below my heart, 
There's a lot of blood rushing down there. It was really painful. The same way, you know, you lift it above your heart or you, I lie on my back and keep it elevated and it relieves a lot of pain there. Like, that's excruciating. Um, and certainly movement, any movement of the ankle, the foot or minor impact, it's just, it's excruciating pain. Your kids running by, kicking it or something like that. That type of shit. And it's, yeah, um, yeah so that's, it's, it's horrible. It, it, it keeps you flat, not moving. And the painkillers allows you to move when you have that injury. So yeah. I have, and, and we know that movement and the promotion of blood through the area um, helps the recovery. Yeah. So I quickly So because you could dull the pain. Yeah. Promote the blood flow. Yes. You were able to aid the recovery without having to fucking die from pain yep. exposure. Yeah. I could get up. I could go to the toilet. I could move around. Yeah. I believe that if I didn't have any painkillers, I probably wouldn't be able to sit up for a couple of weeks. Imagine having a six-inch gash in the back of your heel. Yeah, horrible. Yeah. So um, they worked well. Yeah, okay. I, we came to a, an understanding. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm down. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Makes sense. Mm. Yeah, I remember seeing you just after you had the surgery done. Yeah. Looked pretty uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's funny, right, because you're like, I guess you could call it catastrophic in a way because like your ankle is, it's kind of how you step, right? Yes. So if you bust your Achilles, have this surgery, that one ankle or, you know, one leg is taken out of the equation, it's pretty debilitating, isn't it? Like you can't, you, you kind of, I mean, you still got around, you still yep. able to come and work on all those things. Yeah. But in the scheme of things, like, I think for a lot of people out there, it would just put a halt to what they're doing in life. Yeah. Well, it's not like you've taken the end of your finger off. Yeah. Like, as horrible as that would be, it's manageable because you're not propping weight on it and it's above your heart and you can move it around. Yeah. But taking that leg away, yeah, it put you on crutches you're unable to drive, um, and like I said, the blood down there, um, yeah, it it can the swelling there is significant. You have to elevate a shitload, sleep with pillows underneath it as much as you can, keep the swelling down. Um, so yeah, yeah, it was pretty restricting. In contrast, so I'm gonna tell you what I did to my leg because we're gonna come back to this in a yeah, sec. Yeah, yeah. But I, uh, I took an injury two weeks ago at jiu-jitsu. You know this story, but I'm telling it for the folks. Yep. Um, doing some competition training with a training partner of mine, my coach. And uh, we'd done a bunch of rounds together and it was quite competitive. And then he attempted a takedown in the final minutes of our round and I defended the takedown and I lunged out with my leg. And I don't really know what happened, but it just... My weight went over my... my I lunged out with my leg to defend the takedown. Um my knee just kind of buckled in some direction. It, The one you lunged forward with? Yeah, yeah. Because I lunged out with it. He pulled me forward at the same time. That was part of his takedown. So my weight went over it. And then I think my knee was kind of bent and it rotated inwards, like, you know, knees going towards each other. Yeah. And um, fucking hurt. I was like, ah, <laughs> stop, stop, stop. You know, yeah. fell, yeah, went down on my bum. Holding it, couldn't move it for a moment. And then I just sat there and kind of calmed down. And it took about a minute or two minutes. And it was, it probably took about a minute. And it was excruciatingly painful. Yep. And then after that minute passed, it was fine. And I could, I could move it. I was like, oh, it feels all right. And I got up and I uh, walked around a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, it feels okay. 
and I could kind of squat and stuff and straight. I'm like, well, it's, it's not bad. <laughs> and, you know, and you, you, no one knows what the fuck's going on in those situations. But I was like, oh, you can squat with it. Like, that, that's a good sign. And I'm like, yeah, it is a good sign. <laughs> you know, and then uh, and I actually did Let's the next round. I, I oh, was like, you did? I'm going to sit this round out. Yeah. And then um, the next round started and it was the last round of the night. And then I was the like, hardest round. I was like, oh, Jakey, like one of my teammates. I was like, yeah. well, let's go, man. And um, don't get me wrong, Jakey's a tough dude. Shout out my boy, Jakey. But uh, I was like, bro, why don't you just, I'm not going to use my legs. You can take my back, mount me, whatever. And I'm just going to defend. So I didn't really use my legs in that next round and that was okay. Anyways, man, I um, left training, felt okay. Was suspicious that I might've done something bad. I'm like... I could have fucked something up here that I just don't know about yet. Yep. And then later that night, I was like eating dinner after training. It's kind of late. Started to get real sore and then, you know, and then I lost mobility in it. And then the next day it was really sore. And I, I, I texted Nick, physio, same guy. Nick was like, man, I'll get you in this morning. Come see me. I went to see him. He did a few tests and he said, look, um, everything looks pretty good except for this ACL test. Uh, but he said... Even it doesn't look that bad. He said, I've, I've, seen, I've seen like torn ACLs and like the shin kind of moves around in this position, like the knee is wobbly. But he said, yours isn't. And it wasn't. He was like, there's a little bit of give there, but it's pretty good. So he sent me to get an MRI. So I got an MRI a couple of days later. Results came in over the weekend. I went and saw him on the Monday. Oh, he called me actually before I went to see him. And he's mm. like, mate, hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you've torn your ACL and you've torn your meniscus and you've got some bone bruising and some other stuff with it so there's meniscus as well yeah um which my meniscus already had a tear from years ago from an old jiu-jitsu thing yeah um which i kind of rehabbed took a couple of months and didn't have to have surgery or anything like that. it wasn't wasn't really bad and it's just been a little bit niggly ever since in certain positions but i'm aware of it mm. but yeah i got a new tear so tore the meniscus tore the acl medial meniscus uh yeah i don't yeah on the on the inside well, the knee? I think it's on the outside, actually. That's the rarer type. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but I, I, I could look at the report again, but assuming because my knee went in, that it was the outside edges of the two bones that came that together. bashed together. Yeah, fair. And yep. So there's bone bruising okay. there and whatnot. <clears throat> but really interesting, right? I'm, um, I, see, I see a surgeon on Tuesday, yep. and um, I, went, uh, I saw Nick, the physio, straight away, um, I saw him the day after we got my results, which was five days after the injury. And we did a bunch of tests, mm. squatting, pistol squats, mm. jumping, landing, single leg hopping and fucking passed all the tests. And he's like, man, like everything else on the knee is just taken over and it's good. He's like, he said, if you didn't have the meniscus tear, I would probably... Let recommend you just have a conservative recovery without surgery let it heal itself yeah let because he's because he's like you're so strong and everything else there is in such good shape yeah that it's not really limiting you much but he said because of the meniscus damage i'm probably going to recommend you get surgery and you know at least go speak to the surgeon yeah and he put me onto a guy who he said is quite good and he's not a particularly he's quite a conservative surgeon as if as doesn't if want he to doesn't just cut yeah if he doesn't think it's necessary he won't do it so, like, that was kind of cool. And I was like, sweet. Like, yeah, whatever. I'll go see the surgeon. That's fine. Um, at that time, it was still kind of swollen and sore, right? So, I had limited range of motion. Mm. But, and when I went on our, when we went on our trip for the first few days, it was, it was sore. But I, I don't know if you saw, but on the, 
on the Saturday of our trip, which was like three days in. So maybe you were squatting at Ramirez. Yeah, I was squatting. I was like doing weighted squats, mm. deadlifts. Well, what does the ACL do? Goes well, in the, the a- mid- yeah the yeah. ACL yeah so it connects it's it's on the inside edge of the knee joint yeah um, there's the um, essentially it it it's responsible for providing stability when you pivot yep. so when you tr- when you're changing directions so for football players they tend to tear their ACL when they're stepping yep uh, like a sidestep uh, so you can imagine in jujitsu it's under threat a lot I think yep. in jujitsu it's a really common injury. Mm. Um, but yeah, so obviously that that directional type change stuff is where the problems lie, and I'm not doing anything like that right now. But after these couple of weeks, and with the training I've been doing, and Misa and I did a, like a I don't know six hour bushwalk and all this kind of stuff, I the, the, I have a competition this weekend that I had registered for on the day that I did it. Yeah, I registered in the morning That's and right. I tore it that <laughs> night, and I actually feel like competing because I'm like I'm good, like it feels pretty good. Don't you? Dare. I know I'm not going to, but it's just. It's incredible to think if you didn't have MRI technology, then I would have just had a sore knee for a few days yes. and then probably would have gone back to training. Yeah. Right? Because there's nothing to indicate that I'd torn a ligament. Who knows what would have happened in you that. You know what I mean? Like how many, story, uh, you yeah. were saying this back in the day, like you, you hurt something, oh, it's a bit sore, you rested yep. for a few weeks and then yep. eventually you go back and you got a bit of a bung, whatever, shoulder or knee or something. That's right. Whereas now because I could go and get an MRI and find out, oh shit, this piece of important connective tissue here is no longer a thing mm. um, I go look after it so I find that quite interesting and, and, and I find it interesting the parallel between my injury and yours because just due to the nature of the tissue that was torn you couldn't fucking walk Yes. whereas mine I can still do everything seemingly yep. you know what I mean except mm. for ball sports and kung fu I can like you know what I mean like I can't you, you when you did all the tests and all the movements you're doing now yeah you're veering away from taking your knees into valgus, like towards each other, towards the middle. Or have you tested a bit of nah, touch knees? I'm not, I'm not, not doing game that. Okay, I'm not yeah. doing that. But you can do. I, mean, I could probably fuck everything. with it a little bit. Yeah. But it's yeah. No, we didn't. We didn't test that. But as far as all the functional things go, uh, that keeps you moving around in general. Yeah. You're fine for that. Yep. Plus a bit of loaded stuff training. Yep. It's just that. It's just changing direction, like t- pivoting. Yep. That's the. That's the thing. So it's interesting, you know, it's interesting how that stuff happens and, and what little things, uh, you know, I'm finding it interesting, like, because I'm posting videos about me squatting and people, I got some, some texts from friends like, Don't dude, how the fuck, that. how are you squatting with weight when you've torn your ACL? And it's like, well, it actually doesn't do anything in that position. Mm. Um, you know, so the body's an incredible thing. So when are you seeing the surgeon? Tuesday morning. Great. Yeah, see what he says. And I mean, I, I, I don't know what I hope he says. I, yeah. I think, you know what I mean? I'm kind, yeah. of, I'm kind of indifferent. I guess the, the, I'm in a good place now because I can still kind of do a lot of things. Yeah. If I have a surgery, then it's going to mean I can't, there's a lot I can't do for a period, right? While it's recovering and while the tissues are grafting back together, that's going to hurt in, in mentally. Yes, yeah. But, uh, but as you said, handstands are back in. Handstands are back in. It's the year of the handstand. <laughs> You're the handstand again. Get ready, Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so so let's 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 go to that piece then, which is the the mental effect of it all. Because I, I guess what I'm sort of I mean, I'm thinking about it a lot and I'm think and I've already projected what my training is gonna be like for the next twelve months. Because mm. it's gonna be it's a potential no, I think it's I think the the my physio said it's nine months till you're doing jujitsu again. Mm. So from when you get the surgery, it's nine months until you're back on the mats. 
nine months psychic soccer ball, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, all right, that's obviously, uh, uh, you know, a kick in the nuts. Because you don't kick soccer balls anymore, bro. But I fucking that. can. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I used to be able to kick the doors off 69 caddies. <laughs> but the, um, you know, I went to training last night and was at the gym and everyone's prepping for the comp this Sunday. Yeah, yeah, and it yeah. was like mad energy. And I'm like, fuck, this sucks. I really want to compete. And I know I just, you, I really want to compete because I can't. I didn't really want to compete when yeah, I was healthy. Yes. I was yes, just yes, nervous yes, about yes. it. Yeah. But now I'm like, oh man, competing would be so much fun. You know, like, the, the stupid you things don't know our mind what does. You've got till it's gone. Exactly. Um, but so, this you know this this thing that happens in your mind where you get injured and then all of a sudden all of the things that you can't do flash before you and talk to me about that because you've I think you had a pretty unique. You seem to have a unique experience in your situation. Yes. Well, I was saying to you just before we started the podcast um, that when I think about my injury. I don't think, and I think about injuries and how I perceive it goes for lots of people that I've known and coached before, like it's a real downer and people can get depressed over whatever the fact that they can't do a bunch of stuff and that it sucks and that it changes their life and the way that they're functioning, it's just crap. And I found that when I really think about it, I didn't feel that way. I think I had one bad day. I reckon, one like really bad day and that was right at the beginning where I wasn't taking the painkillers when I should and I rang the freaking nurse and she was like, I told you to take the painkillers, just take them and I, she kind of snapped at me and uh, yeah, I had like a super couple of really bad nights and that was it, I had like one bad day, I was like, this is shit. A bad day like mentally or just? M- mentally, right. mentally I was, I was just down, I was like, I'm at the bottom of a mountain. Um. It wasn't that deep a hole and it only lasted for one day. And I, I guess I, I would wanted to mention that too because I don't think that it played out how many people thought it would play out or how I thought that it would play out, you know, and I... How did you... Th- how, what is that? I, I thought that I'd just be way more upset about it. Right. You know, I, I thought that I it'd suck and, you know, it'd be a bitch having to change my life. And, you know, I probably could have been much worse and when I look back at it I'm really really grateful for the setup that allowed me to rehab it I mean I work in a gym I it's it's imperative that I fix this for my uh, lifestyle and my career and all this sorts of things plus I I'm interested in it I'm in an environment that allows me to rehab it every single day um and I have a very supportive family and friends and you guys were great just like stay home do not come here whatever it is you just need to rest like everyone really helped me through that so I'd say that a lot of the fact that I didn't go into a massive hole or anything was attributed to that and then there's probably I don't know I think you know me better than anyone like maybe it's also part of my personality like I I tend to be pretty optimistic about things or I won't I won't dwell on things you know, the bad parts of things for too long. Yeah. I can recognise them. You only really dwell on, like, hunger. Yeah. But that's constant, bro. Yeah, it's true. It's always there. Yeah. Or you can merely mask it for short periods. Yeah. Those headphones, just cupping your ears, just look like burger buns to me. (laughs) I want to take a bite of your head right now. I'm hungry. Um, But, yeah, it's true. Yeah, so... You do do have a pretty positive outlook, so... Yeah, so when I look back, uh, I'm pretty grateful for for that. Um, and then the other part of it for me, you know, I, I guess I'm a bit more mature 
and I have a, I feel like I've had got a pretty good outlook of life, and you know, I think things all happen for a reason. Um, oh, all right, baby Jesus. Yeah. So, um, just put the soft music on, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to uh, take this opportunity yeah. to read a little chapter from <laughs> <laughs> Corinthians two. No, um, but you know, and and, and it really did because. One, two major things that happened for me was the one it lit a lit a fire halfway through the rehab. It lit a, a real fire underneath me, and I definitely came back um, with a hunger for training and learning and stuff in a way that I hadn't had ever before. Wow. Definitely, so it was a catalyst for me. Um, I would say I've always been I've been a jack of all trades. Physically, could do everything to a certain extent: play ball, do fighting. But dance, whatever it is, I can, uh, you know what I mean? I could always move. Yep. So, I, and nothing ever really, um, I took a lot of it for granted, is what I, uh, I should say. And um, yeah, so it lit a fire under me. Second thing it did was, yeah, it put me through a really cool experience uh, that allows me now to understand injury better for clients, people that I'm coaching and stuff like that. And just putting me through a process that I couldn't avoid. And um yeah, so uh, it, it had, uh, it, all in all, I'm thankful for that thing that happened to me. Yeah. And um, it do- hasn't had any long-lasting effect at the moment. So um, I think I had a really good rehab and thank God we do all of the stuff that we do here. Mm. Um, because I, during the time that I was injured and still to this day, like I... I hear stories of Achilles and whenever there's something to do with the Achilles, like my ears prick up and when I have the injury, all the stories come to you. Yeah. You know? So you hear a bunch of stories and there's a bunch of kind of horror stories out there. And, you know, it's, yeah, like I said, it's great that I, 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 can, I, could, uh, I could focus on it for so long in this sort of environment, um, strengthen the bits and then test it and have the, uh, you know, with our approach, it's very much... Um, pushing things towards their limits and working everywhere else that there's not pain, um, whether that be around the immediate area or in completely other different areas of the body. And I, uh, I haven't read any papers on it, but I, all the people that I've, I've spoken to about it uh, say that, you know, yeah, the fitter your body is in all other areas, the better your recovery, and that's pretty much what I did. Um, so... I focused on upper body and and it was the the muscle ups and, and nailing I, I've always I've always thought my, my pull has never been great. My push has always kind of been good and, and that was like part of what I really wanted to do was work on my pull and the mobility of my shoulders and they are in a much better place today because of that that time that I had to play with them and and yeah. That's cool. It was really cool. That's very cool. So you saw, yeah, you saw an opportunity to focus on something else. Yeah, 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 totally. I mean, I'd seen you do it in the past before, um, so I, I had some good examples in front of me. I remember when you cut your finger. Mm. Um, yeah, there's always a way to work around it, dude. I I can look back over the last few years of my training, and each year I've had an injury. Last year I fucked my hand up with a little weightlifting accident. Oh, that's right. Fucked my hand up. Couldn't, couldn't use my left hand for... I couldn't use my left hand for like f- three or four months. It was retarded. I couldn't... I could do... Uh, what could I do? For, for a few months there, I couldn't do push-ups, dips, any, anything like that. 
I could hang from it, but like I couldn't couldn't do a handstand or any of those things. Yeah, which was wild. So that was a period of essentially a lot of upper body taken out of the mix. The year before that, I that's when Peach Booty exploded. Oh, Peach Booty. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, some referred to as Peak Booty. Peak Booty. Um, the year before that, I think I chopped the top of my finger off. That was, was that a few years ago. Was that a few years ago? Yeah. Or was it when I cut my hand cleaning a glass at the gym? Oh, I that's what had that stitches was a few on the inside of it. Yeah, and no, I chopped. I think it was the year before I chopped the top of my finger off. Couldn't again. Couldn't use the hand for a while. Joe's very uncoordinated. Oh, folks. fucking hell! He I, I tell you, I, I'm fucking. <laughs> I don't know what it is. And then the year before that, or two years before that, I remember there was a jujitsu accident uh, where I first tore my meniscus and couldn't couldn't squat for three months. And so I had to be very careful of that. So I, that was, and at each of those times, when I, when I tore my meniscus, my upper body strength training went through the roof and built a base that I now have available whenever I need it. And then the previous two injuries that I just mentioned, the hand and the finger, um, when I did those, my lower body stuff went through the roof. Mm-hmm. So it's always presented opportunities in the same way that, that you just said. But I think there's an interesting lesson there, which is that, well, one, I mean, you have an outlook that's positive and I, I kind of do too. So I think that that's already an advantage yep. for us, right? In that you just go, oh, okay, well, that thing's off the table. What's now available to me? Cool, I'll focus on that. Mm. But I think in the same way that, you know, diversifying assets or any of those things, like having fingers in many pies is beneficial. Mm. It's the same in the style of training that we do. So we have a focus on many things, body weight, mm. strength, mobility, lifting some weights, mm. you know, getting better at the Olympic lifts mm-hmm. um, and jujitsu and, and, and for you, Thai boxing as well. Mm. If one of those things or two of those things is taken off the table, there's still a shitload of things on the table. Yeah. Rather than, um, oh, I do fitness, like fitness is my thing. I can't run and, now. And I now I can't do fitness in the way that I want to do fitness. So everything's fucked. My world has fallen to pieces. Like, no, man. Like these two or three things that you really enjoy are, like I'm devoted that I'm not going to be able to train jits for a while. Yeah. Um, but I'm also excited that I can get back into my handstands. Rings. Yeah, rings, all that, all that shit, you know. You know, I'm Focus so on my upper body flexibility. Yeah. I can even probably focus on my lower body flexibility. Yeah. While I've got this knee injury, I can still work towards the splits and all those things. Yeah. Um, I'm so deep in our style of training that I, I never really like. I, that's a great point. It's a really great point. We got so many different things available because we're not just sticking in one lane. That you know, when I think about it, and it it, it was almost like it was a relief that I couldn't do a bunch of stuff so I could focus on something. Yes, because simplifies simplifies everything. What's in front of you? Yeah, well, it's like uh, yeah, totally. Because goddamn, there's always something that you can work on. And, um, you know, it's not always, but sometimes it gets a little overwhelming. You're like, or you just get that feeling like, oh, this thing's lacking because I'm doing this right now. Um, and in, in a sense, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's cool that you can just focus on one thing because it's very easy to, to be distracted. It's just like, boom, you can only do this, some parameters, work with it. Yeah. I mean, it's very, I think that, that diversity in our training, and, and when I say our training, I'm talking about what we do here at Jungle Brothers. Fight, lift, move. Fight, lift, move. Get some. Yeah. And, you know, I have the conversation with a lot of people, with a lot of members, hmm. whereby they, 
you know, it, it, it can go both ways. And the conversation I'm talking about is too. There's a conversation of, oh man, like I'm really enjoying my training at the moment and I'm doing heaps of the body weight classes and lifting and stretching. But fuck, I want to come to jujitsu. I just don't have the time. Or, you know, insert whatever class name you want. And I'm like, yeah, I get this it. It's tough. Like you, you can't do it all. But, the, uh, you know, that's, that's okay. Like you, you just, you have to be selective. And maybe for periods of time, you'll choose to focus on one thing and then you'll switch that, uh, you know, after a period, whatever it is, six months, 12 months, two years. Um, then on the other side of that is the discussion whereby, oh, I've hurt my fucking hand and now I can't do the thing. And it's like, well, look at all these other things you can do. And isn't that great? And isn't it, aren't you fortunate that you're not limited like yes. to just doing that one thing? Yeah. Um, so there's kind of both sides, like having the diversity of course, of course. Can, can be a curse, but it can yeah. also be a, a great benefit. Um, and I know you mean this, this feeling of like a pressure is removed where it's yeah. like, oh shit, well, okay, I can just focus in on this now. Yes. There's something nice about that. There is. I think, I think what damages people and I think what I'm, Definitely what I'm dealing with a little bit right now is the, the ju- like say for me, my specific example is the jujitsu, the identity, whereas that's, that's a big part of my identity. People know me as a jujitsu guy. Yes. Um, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm pretty, pretty advanced with it now. I was on track to get my black belt. Yeah, you've been and on a run this year. Yeah, I've been on a really good run. I've been learning like rapidly and I've just been really into it and I was going to compete for the first time. And um, here's something funny. Uh, there's uh two, i was in two divisions mm. um and there was only one other competitor in each division so for my weight oh, division double silver I, had a, I can still go get it right i can still get the medal oh okay. i can I just see. turn up yeah, yeah. yeah. um the oh, you got to do it i had a guy from the central coast <laughs> who I, I had not heard of but you know he's a coach up there at a gym gracie baja looks pretty good but then i was in the absolute division open weight and guess who was in my bracket who robert whittaker it was just him and you? It was just me and him. No way. Yeah, just me and him. Just me and him, that's why. Yeah, yeah. Him and I? Yeah, him and I. Uh, yeah, so if I had been competing, I would have been able to compete against Rob. Oh, damn. Um, I know, which just would have been fucking cool. He, he's the ex-UFC middleweight champion of the world. Yes. He's an amazing athlete. We trained together for a period when I was at doing some training over at Gracie Humaita. Uh, he's a savage athlete. It would have been fucking cool. Uh, so how do you look up the bracket? Oh, uh, so there's... In there? Just oh, look okay. It up on the comp Sorry, website. because it's today. Yeah, it, it's coming up. It's like now. Yeah, it's on yeah, Sunday. So, so they've closed yeah. registrations. Yeah, yeah Sorry. Yeah. Last week or whatever. Oh, damn. Yeah. So you know, so all the, all those little things, and then going to the gym last night, and the guys are all prepping for training, and I'm like, fuck, this all gets put on hold. You yeah. know, like it, uh, my my progress towards the black belt, my interest in competing again, all yeah. that stuff, it's not happening for a while. Um, so that that kind of sucks, right? And this is, I think, this is the mental thing that people grapple with. It's like, oh, yes. I love running. And now I've got plantar fasciitis and doctors told me I can't run for six months. Yeah. Fuck, the sky's falling, right? So w- when the activity or the, the, the sport you do becomes part of your identity and then it's taken away from you, yeah. what do you do? Uh, well, tell me more about how you feel. Well, I mean, I, I feel um, like I'm obviously a little bit bummed about it. But uh, the, the immediate thing I looked at was, well, what, what involvement can I still have in jiu-jitsu? Obviously, I teach it here, which is so it's, it's, it's still going to be a huge part of my life. But how do I remain part of the academy that I'm training at, which is important to me because my relationship with my coach, 
my relationship with my teammates, just that feeling of being part of that club and and, yes. and, yep. and still progressing my own skills even though I'm not actually practicing on the mats with the guys. Yep. Um, so I'm like, all right, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to show up a couple times a week and I'm going to keep going there and I'm going to go there and I'm going to participate in the class. I'll do whatever part of the warm-up I can yep. and then I will watch the technique part and then when everyone's drilling technique, I'll probably just sit off to the side and stretch but I'll have moments to catch up with my coach and chat with him and maybe sometimes I can drill an element of the technique. Yes. Or maybe sometimes I'm just stretching, but I'm there and then the class finishes and I'll bow out with the class and high five everyone and I'll have got some stretching in and I'll have learned some shit. I just totally. won't have been drilling it and rolling, right? Mm. So I will accept that it's not going to be ideally what I want it to be, but it's still going to be something. And I think that that's really important for people like not necessarily with, say, fitness training, right? Like you don't, you're not going to go and watch a weightlifting class necessarily or watch a strength and, a strength and movement class. No. You know, but no. there's always something you can be doing at the gym. You can, all, like here, you can always come in, you can always work on something. We'll always give you a program. Come and see Something us. you can follow, right? Totally. You can always, oh, fuck it. Oh, I busted up my leg. I'm going to go to the handstand class with Marco and I'm going to focus on what I can do in bodyweight class and I'm going to do some strength training your body or you know vice versa i'm going to go to the weightlifting class whatever it is there's always a way to manage that and still stay connected to the fabric of that thing that you love so mm. i think for out you know so what i'm saying is the there's a, a couple of fabrics i'm part of there's obviously here at jb but there's also where i train jiu-jitsu for our members it's here at jungle brothers like they want to be a part of this community and a part of the culture you can still do that it's it's you don't have to stay at home and be on the couch maybe you can't get involved in everything but you can do something yeah, and uh, that's the message we, we deliver to people here. And, yeah, I think it gets through to most folks. Um, and we're always available to, to help them find what it is they can do because it's, it's often difficult to see. I mean, for us, we're, we're immersed in it. But for the regular folk, they're just coming in for one hour here, one hour there type thing. So um, I know I've, I've helped a few people in the past. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I mean, there's... Like I, for me, it's quite easy to think of other things to do. Yeah, so I guess it's that thing where if you have an injury, yeah, you got to go ask someone who might know, who who can help you find out what that thing is to do. Yeah, talk to talk to talk, a coach. Talk to talk to a coach. Um, hell, I was doing juggling when I had my injury. You were. I remember you bought all those fucking juggling balls. Yeah, um, I got better, yeah, <laughs> and I learned and learned it. Yeah, <laughs> and I learned it. I learned a different balls. technique. Yeah, well, juggling was quite cool to do in my rest periods, and that's. Skill, that's eye coordination. Um, sorry, yeah, hand-eye coordination. And um, yeah, there's, there's always something, right? Yeah. Something. Yeah, I mean, it's... Um, yeah, I think it really comes down to... You've you got you to gotta look for the opportunities yep. in that situation. And you also got to acknowledge like... <clears throat> like say I'm, say I'm really into running mm. and I bust my leg up and I can't run. Mm. And it's like, fuck, that's that thing I love doing. It's like, well... Yeah, you love doing that thing now, but it doesn't mean that you can't fall in love with doing something else. Mm. You know, and if you if you expand your view and instead of like taking this kind of like very Here and low now. helicopter kind of oh running's what I love doing, if you pull that helicopter out further, like actually I enjoy physicality and I enjoy moving and I enjoy being able to express my body and getting a sweat on and you know, maybe maybe you enjoy running by the coast and you love the fucking salt spray and all those things. Well, running for a lot of people is is just that time away. 
Yeah. Where it's, it's just a mental health thing. Well, a lot of exercise is. It is, right? But yeah, it's sure. that meditative kind of repetitive thing. Yep. So, well, dude, you the can, you can f- I'm, you, I'm sure you can find a way to get some of those things yep. from other things. And, and it doesn't mean that you tap out from that thing forever. It's like, hey, just for now, doesn't mean you, it, you know, it's the difference between taking a year off and sitting on the couch and getting super depressed about it and, you know, becoming bitter or taking using up that, swimming. Yeah, finding an activity that you mm. can do that's going to bring other benefits so that when, it, when you, the time comes that you can return to running, Yep. jiu-jitsu or whatever it is you're like fuck uh, I've picked up some other skills and I'm now in a really good place to get back into this and I'm feeling good and healthy and you know I'm not like starting back from square one yes yeah totally yeah I think an important part of uh, is, is replacing it with something else that's positive instead of not running and just battling say the void and trying to stay optimistic about it, but also replacing it with a practice of something. Yes. You know what I mean? It might not even, like, you know, it, it might not even be uh, directly relative, like running. It doesn't have to be maybe exercise or something, but it could be, like, just something that in your mind you're replacing it and you're adding something to your repertoire as a human being. It could be painting or something like that, but um, something that takes care of that for you. Yeah. Um, what do you, what are you going to do? Handstands? Um, well, I got to see. I don't know the fate, you know, I don't know what the outlook is until I speak with this surgeon. Yeah. And, you know, if he were to say, dude, let's not do surgery, then I'm super excited about that and I'll do whatever. And then that means I'll be back on the mat sooner rather than later. Mm. Um, if, which is more than likely, he recommends I have surgery. Then, yeah, I'll be focusing on handstands. I'll probably be focused on some upper body strength work. I'll be focusing on, uh, I'll be focusing on like my back bridge mobility yeah, and my shoulder some, mobility. Dream up some new goals. Yeah, I mean, I've wanted a press handstand for a long time, so I'll work towards that. And my yes. legs will, find it, will probably lose a little bit of muscle mass that will we'll, we'll be <gasps> taking a step back from peak booty season, oh. uh, which pe- is fine. But that's, yeah, so it's, it's going to mean that I can then, you know, the upper body skill stuff gets a bit easier mm-hmm. um but yeah i'll just zero in on those things and like i said i'll still remain a part of the academy i'll still be teaching here i'll still be able to keep in touch and get somewhat a bit of enjoyment from uh not even somewhat but i'll still be able to get much enjoyment from jiu-jitsu which is you know something that i'm really into right now um yeah that's the plan i guess but like i said we'll wait till tuesday and see what the doc says very cool yeah i mean like i said i'm feeling pretty good now deceptively good I'm going to go to this comp on Sunday, support the guys, and that's going to be interesting, right, to see everyone competing and be like, fuck, I could have been competing today. That's so cool that you've got, like, you're just going to stay in touch. With yeah. yeah. Well, I, I don't want to stop that process, right? That's right. And, you know, it's like um, it's like when you... You're part of their training too. Yeah, you whether think, you're That's right. You think about what you, what you get from a place, like from a gym, and you get... You get the training and the, the, the physical aspects and the coaching and all that. But you also get all these other little things that are hard to quantify or identify even. Mm. The social aspects, the connection mm. with other people, mm. um, the, the contribution of you being able to pass information on to other people Definitely. and help them with things. Yep. So all those other little things I can still get and I, you know, I want to keep getting that. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting. We'll see once I, once I speak to the surgeon, we'll know what's up. Beautiful. Yeah, man. Um. Man, any uh, any closing points on that that piece for you, or anything else you want to cover? Not really. 
Um, I'm excited for next year. It's the time of year where it's uh, we're just about to embark on December and Christmas and that. And for me, I'm a little excited about sitting back with you and T and reviewing the year with like as business, as business partners. Um, and then I also do that for myself and then I also do that with my partner. Yeah. Um, so it's just that time. I'm, I'm excited to get to that point so we can sit back and look back and then set goals for the next year because I know that in the past few years doing that sort of stuff really just – it's really cool just to look back and then um, go back into January and Feb with some some bit, bit more clarity and then just there's always a bit of a wave of energy for me yes. the last few years coming into Jan and Feb. So I'm just wanting to paddle for that wave and get on it. So – yeah, I'm, I'm stoked. I've got to set some new goals for next year. Fuck yeah, don't we all? Yeah. And you talk the, training goals, life uh, goals? Bit of yeah, a bit of everything for sure. And um, it's been a pretty big year for us here. We've got this mezzanine here that's just being finished, as you said. And um, that's just going to have a whole bunch of stuff available to us. I mean, we set out to make a gym that we just want to train in all the time. And we're going to achieve one of those goals years ago which was have a full timetable of jits here that we can walk down and have a good, you know, width of uh, belts in there, different experienced people there, and we can just go in and train straight after we finish work and, and we can have that available to us with a full schedule timetable. So next year I'm keen as I was getting – I've been loving the jits since we started bringing the gain and, yeah, I'm just looking forward to next year. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be cool, man. I'm excited for Great it too. Great me, bro. Great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so... Show me your fucking dedication, yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah. Now that you've asked, you get reset for one year. <laughs> yeah. I, I know. <laughs> yeah. I'll roll without the mats, bro, yeah. without the fence at the top. Whatever it takes, it's fine. Um, <laughs> no, it's yeah, fine. no, I'm, I'm super excited for that too. And we're kick, for folks, we're kicking that off. We're going to be kicking off our full-time jiu-jitsu schedule in January, mm-hmm. early Jan. So once we come back from the new year break, which is pretty short for us, um, things are going to heat up. So if you are interested in doing jiu-jitsu and strength training and mobility and lifting weights and all those things under one roof. Inspiring with striking. Yes, inspiring with striking. Fuck. Like if, you wanna, if you want all of that under one roof, get in touch with us because it's going to be sick. And uh, yeah, I'm excited too. Man, we'll wrap it up there. Yeah. Thanks. Done. Cheers for listening, guys. Uh, if you have an injury, the takeaway there is there's still heaps of shit you can do. And within... With, Every injury comes an opportunity. So you just got to look for the opportunities. If you are having a hard time seeing those opportunities or even managing the injury, then come and speak to us. Um, you can drop us an email, admin or info at junglebrothers.com or you just get on our website, junglebrothers.com uh, and we'd be happy to help you out. And if you want to know more about the training or any of those things, reach out. If you know someone that's injured and you think that they'd benefit from listening to this, then please share the episode with them. That'd be sick. Uh, Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Peace. Bye.